Welcome back in. Brady Farkas Show right here on a Wednesday on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining us now on the phone line, our guy, as he does every single Wednesday at this time, our Red Sox and Bruins insider at Ness and Tom Karen. TC, how are you? Good, Brady. How you doing? I'm good, thanks, TC. And got a lot of stuff on the Red Sox, on baseball, on the Bruins that I want to get to you with. But I got one random kind of off question for you before I start. Celtics-Lakers played last night. I do this segment every year. Once a year, without fail, I do this segment, and the segment is being done today. I believe that to anybody under the age of 35, Celtics-Lakers is not a rivalry anymore. It's just not to anybody of my age bracket. I'm sure you're going to tell me that it is a rivalry, so I ask you straight off the top, why do you feel that way? Well, I mean, listen, it is because anyone under 35 who pays no attention to history whatsoever is wasting my time. Okay, so <laughs> if, if you want to tell me, if you want to tell me, you know, I, when, when Fox got into baseball, it was a long time ago, 20 years ago now more, right? One of, one of the early things is, you know, anybody who shows a picture of a dead player during a broadcast will get fired, hmm. right? They didn't, want, they didn't want to talk at all about Babe Ruth or about the history of the game. That's fine. You can't live in the past. Okay, but if you live strictly in the present, uh, you're missing out a lot of uh, what's great about sports. Okay, so so is the rivalry down? Yeah, is it ever going to come back? I I don't know. Maybe not because it's a strange rivalry, right? Because it's it, it was all about two teams who met up repeatedly in the finals, uh, and it, it, you know it was never about regular season. Uh, they don't play enough in the regular season. They're, they're bi coastal, but there was there was a decade of basketball where they were, you know, not only the two best teams in, in the NBA, but they were, they were the two teams that were only measured by how they did against the other team in the finals. And if they didn't meet in the finals, the finals didn't matter all that much <laughs> back in the 80s. So, I, you know, yes, it's a rivalry because of the history, but is there any simmering feud between these two teams right now? Absolutely not. I mean, there's just not. And, and the schedule doesn't lend itself to, to rekindling the rivalry uh, you'd have to play each other in the playoffs, which means the finals, uh, and the odds of that happening are pretty slim. So I'm straddling the fence on you here. I get why you don't think it's a rivalry because it's a rivalry of the past, but it, it, that past still matters when they play each other. It just isn't often enough. And when you get a case like last night, yeah, it's 10 o'clock at night. You know, so one of the two games where they play each other is, is after everybody goes to bed. Uh, hard to have a rivalry like that. Tom Karen, Red Sox and Bruins insider at Nesson, here with us on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV. Now let's move to the Red Sox. Right before midnight last week, right before the lockout gets imposed, Red Sox traded Hunter Renfro to the Brewers. Do you think that Jackie Bradley Jr. is actually a six-month starting outfielder for this team, or is he a fourth outfielder and the team has another big move to make? Yeah, I, uh, yeah, well, uh, I, as usual, I'm not going to pick any of your choices. Okay. I'm going to dance around all of them. Uh, I, he's not an everyday six-month uh, six outfielder. That's not why they got him. First of all, they, they made the trade because they got the two prospects, yep. a really intriguing prospects, a big power guy and a speed guy, uh, both infielders and both with a ton of upside. Okay, so they, they essentially took on an extra year of salary, two years left on uh, JBJ. If they uh, if they take the option and uh, and they even with the buyout though it makes it more expensive so they you know they 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 take that on to get the prospects now where JBJ fits in here uh, we know what he is defensively 
and and that isn't going away. Uh, he will be, as always, one of the best center fielders ever when he's in the game. He's also, you know, a guy who's. If you talk to scouts, you look at the analytics. His swing pass, his at bat approach, if you will, uh, plays better at Fenway Park. The the, the 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 confines of Fenway make him a better hitter. Okay, so this should be a little bit of a bounce back offensively. But more than anything, here's my belief. Jackie Bradley's one of the streakiest hitters I have ever seen. He will put together three to five weeks where he is amongst the best hitters in baseball. He didn't do it last year, uh, but he has done it for most of his career with the Red Sox. Then he will go on a four- to six-week stretch where he is the worst hitter in baseball. And he was, by some metrics, the worst hitter, not only in Major League Baseball last year, but in Major League Baseball for years. Okay, Now, if he's one of four, it doesn't mean he is the fourth. You know, you said, is he the fourth outfielder? I don't know that he's the fourth outfielder. But he's 3B, okay? He's good. I think you'll see him getting hot and going a stretch of playing every day. And then when it falls off and he goes ice cold, he's going to sit for a while and be a defensive replacement. So I, uh, that all leads me to your last part of your question. Is there another move? Yeah, to me, it actually opens the door uh, even more so to bring Kyle Schwarber back, who fits better in the outfield than he does at first base. Uh, and that could be part of your four-man rotation. You know, with the ability to play Kike Hernandez at second base, that really allows you to get those four guys in the lineup when the matchup makes the most sense. So, listen, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm like, uh, jumping for joy that Jackie Bradley Jr. is back. That said, I, I think you are selling high on Renfro because he's a guy who's been streaky as well and up and down in his career, had a great run here last year. Not sure you can expect that to be replicated next year. So to get Bradley back, which improves your defense, get two prospects, which I think, and, and we can get to this if you want, but I, you know, I think the big move after the intermission, right, when baseball gets back to business, I think the next move is you've got to get a middle-of-the-rotation pitcher to replace Eduardo Rodriguez. The guys you've gotten haven't. They've added depth, but they're not in the middle of the rotation. And you do that via a trade. You do it with Oakland or Cincinnati or Miami. And now you have two more prospects in, in the pipeline to, to maybe have enough depth where you can make that type of deal without wiping out the farm system, which is where they were a year ago. Well, that's certainly interesting, but and in, in, I would agree with you. The Sox do need a rotation arm in Oakland or Cincinnati and are the calls that I'm making. But Hyam Bloom said specifically before the lockout that they're looking for a right-handed bat now, I presume, to help replace Renfro. So that made me wonder... Are they more out on Schwarber than I thought, considering he's right. left-handed? Or are they going to be sneaking in the Chris Bryan or Nick Castellanos outfield sweepstakes? What did you make of his comment that they're looking for a yeah, right-handed was, bat? Yeah, I was surprised that he said right-handed specifically. I still think Schwarber's a great fit. And, you know, remember, Bloom did say we are still in on Hunter Renfro. So I don't think – I'm sorry, uh, uh, Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. I don't think one precludes the other. Uh, I, but, yeah, you know, and there, there was a story of uh, a Trevor story. Uh, which is a whole other thing if you're talking about bringing in a, a shortstop type because that leads into what the future for Xander Bogart's holds. Uh, but I, I do think that they, they want to balance that, uh, that lineup a little bit. And, and again, maybe that is uh, in, in a trade as well. Uh, I just think, you know, I, I do believe this, that I don't think the, the labor agreement is going to come soon. So whenever it does come, and I think it will come, I think they'll be ready for the re- start of the regular season. I, I, there's going to be a flurry of activity. And, and all the plans in the world are going to get thrown out the window because you're going to have you know, a three-week frenzy of free agent signing, of trades being made. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, what, what, Heim Bloom, 
talk about what he wants to do, what he is able to do might be a completely different thing. Tom Karen, Red Sox Bruins insider at Nesson with us here on the Brady Farkas Show, as he is every Wednesday. B's taking on the Canucks tonight at 9 p.m. What's going on with Tuka Rask? Is he going to sign with this team or what? You don't think he's going to just stay as an emergency backup, <laughs> yeah. hang out in the building and make his uh, 150 per diem or whatever it is they pay the guy to, uh, to hang out here? I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, you know, Don Sweetie made it pretty clear that if he's back in the NHL this year, they want him back. And, and I think we've talked about this all along. Uh, Swayman has shown you, uh, shown me uh, a lot that that Nashville win last week was, as I thought, his best uh, and, and most important uh, outing because they needed it so badly. Uh, but then, uh, you know, uh, Saturday night, uh, Tampa Bay, that first goal, you'd love to have back. So, I, you know, you still see the ups and downs of the young guy. Uh, I know that they're building a relationship. I know Rask talks to him a lot and, and, and so I, I think it makes a lot of sense now. How do you juggle three goalies? That's a whole other question. Uh, and, and I don't think you're moving line, uh, Linus Olmark uh, anytime soon and, and still scratch my head on that signing. But, I, yeah, I, I do think he ends up with, with the Bruins when it's all said and done. Uh, you know, it's the old saying, these things work themselves out. Does somebody get hurt? Does something happen? Is there a move that they can make uh, to ship uh, Olmark up? I wouldn't ship Swayman because he's the future. And, and obviously, if you're bringing Ross back, uh, it's hard to carry three. But I do think he's going to end up back here. I've thought that all along, and that doesn't change. I'll get you out of here on this. Well, actually, on two quick ones. Uh, we could do a 30-minute dissertation on this topic, but uh, I think individual names will pull out. But do you think the league as a whole will pull out of the Olympics? It's awful hard. I mean, you know, Canada is tightening its restrictions, right? Uh you know, we, we, Bruce Cassidy isn't going on this trip because you've got to be 14 days clear of a negative test. Hmm. I, you know, there's, there's going to be, we saw it in the summer games, you're going to send everybody there, there's going to be an outbreak. I, I don't see how there isn't an Olympic-related uh, COVID situation. Uh, and, and so now, as teams and as a league, are you going to allow these guys to go there and then potentially, what if you're a Canadian team? You know, if you're a Canadian team, your guy goes to the Olympics, uh, is, is exposed to or contracts COVID, uh, then, I mean, it could be weeks before you can have him back on the ice. And then you hit your most important stretch of the year, and the guy's been out a month at that point. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm the NHL, I, I just, why, why would you risk it? You've got the, you know, they, they, were, they were begrudgingly going into this anyway. Uh, you've kind of got the, the obvious uh, escape hatch here to use COVID as the reason to avoid it this year. DC, you're going to be palling around with some Boston bigwigs tonight, I hear. Yeah, great event. The New England Sports Museum is doing its annual tradition where they honor athletes. Uh, and we've got a, I want us to do a lot of talking tonight. We've got David Ortiz, hmm. uh, Kevin McHale, uh, who, who uh, neither one of those guys are going to be at any loss for words. Uh, and Kevin McHale, by the way, is bringing Danny Ainge. Everybody brings a presenter to sit with them. Uh, I can't wait for that Kevin McHale, Danny Ainge. I'll ask them if the Lakers <laughs> is a rivalry with the Red Sox. I, I, you think I was uh, down your throat. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll FaceTime you so you can watch that one <laughs> when, uh, when they answer that. Uh, but Ben Coates, five-time All-Star and uh, really a, a kind of a pioneering tight end from the New England Patriots. And, and Mike Milbury, talking about guys who are going to have a lot to say. Uh, Mike Milbury from the Bruins. Also, Taylor Twelman uh, from the Revolution, NLS uh, MVP, and Angela Ruggiero. You talk about the Olympics. Uh, nobody knows more about the Olympics than Angela Ruggiero. She was a you know, four-time medalist 
four-time uh, Olympian on the hockey team. And I believe, I was crunching some numbers just now, and I believe she has appeared in more games in a USA hockey jersey than any other mm-hmm. man or woman in history. Uh, and so she's remarkable. She's on the IOC uh, Athletes Committee now and has a lot to do with the, the shaping of the Olympics. So it's a great event. Jackie McMullen and I uh, co-host it every year. And uh, it's at the Garden tonight coming up. And uh, always fun to hear the conversations they have. So looking forward to that. Well, very, very cool. Go get ready for that. Enjoy it. We will talk to you in seven days, CC. Thank you, Brady. Appreciate it.